Welcome. This is Talking Joy, creating joy, inner peace, and authentic connections. My name is Pam Rotelli-Robertson, and I am founder of lifestyle brand Talking Joy. As a certified spiritual director, I have been leading groups with the power of words, the strength of positivity, and the gift of joy. During our time together, our focus will be on simple spiritual practices that can be applied to your everyday life with the wisdom and support of others. Talking Joy talks to help you realize your value. I am so glad you're here. Simple, joyful, fun. Let's get talking. So Joyce Rupp, welcome back to the Talking Joy podcast. I'm so excited to have you here today to talk about uh, a new book that you've written, um, the third in a a trilogy of Lenten uh, books or devotionals, and it's called Jesus, A Guide of My Life. And it's reflections for the Lenten journey, and we're just heading into Lent um, soon. And uh, it got me to thinking, looking at your book, you know, got me to thinking about Lent and thinking about different practices that we might have. And so I'm, I'm excited to talk to you about all of that. So again, welcome back. Thank you. I just, I love being back with you, Pam. I sure enjoyed our last time and looking forward to seeing what's going to unfold here. So yeah, yeah. for our <laughs> listeners that maybe don't practice Lent or yeah. um, are curious about a Lenten practice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I mean, it, Lent's been a part of my life since I was very young because I, you know, I've been Roman Catholic my, my whole life. And um, it, it's changed for me. It has changed so much as I've gone through the years, you know, in the beginning it was for me. And I think for the church in general, it was seen as extremely kind of harsh practice, you know, really the, the fasting was much more severe and the tone of it was much more, um, you know, you really have to repent and, and it has moved and, and I'm much more in this vein now of it's really six weeks of being re-inspired. And I, I, I think about it being re-inspired to return to the source of our, our inspiration for our religion, which is the person of Jesus, his life, his teachings, you know? And so, you know, the question for me is more like, where, where in my life right now do I want to restore, renew, or deepen, or strengthen, you know, one of those virtues or those qualities that are there? And um, so I, I basically really look forward to Lent, you know, because like most people, I get pretty distracted and, you know, pretty, I mean, I'm, I'm faithful to my spiritual practices, but I also really need encouragement and to be re-inspired and kind of like it's kind of like the candle gets down the wick gets kind of low you need a new candle I guess maybe that that's an one image so yeah yeah well thank you for saying all that because they were some of the thoughts uh that you're speaking to um you know resonated with me is that I do remember as a child that Lent was sort of harsh and I remember chatting with other kids about what they were giving up for Lent. It was always about giving something up and it sounds right. so restrictive and, <laughs> and, uh, and, and people were serious about it. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and then you're right, you know, in later years, I felt a softening yeah. around it. And then I noticed that people, instead of giving something up, were taking something on. And yeah. uh, I remember once with a small group, I gave out trash bags to the group of of Uh, women and everybody took them home and cleaned out their closets. And then the last day of Lent, you know, right before uh uh, the end of the six weeks, we all brought those bags in filled with clothes and shipped them all off to 
you know, some, some donation organization that we need. That is, that's fabulous. That is just wonderful. I think that is such a good example. I like that. I like you saying, instead of giving something up, taking something on and yeah. something, that's, something that's practical and you know that it can make a difference. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. But then it also led me to thinking about, um, one of my favorite practices in my life has always been some sort of a daily devotional, mm-hmm. whether it was Henry Nowen's Bread for the Journey or Mark Nepo's book or, mm-hmm. you know, all different modalities and different leaders. But sometimes we come up dry on our own or yeah. we think that our prayers are falling flat. And like what you were saying and what is so nice about the simplicity of your book is mm-hmm. that it you're giving us an opportunity to, to walk along with us, give us a little thought for the day. You know, there were four things um, in the book. You have a scripture and then you have your own thoughts and reflections. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have a prayer, a lovely prayer. Your prayers are always so meaningful. Um, and and then you have sort of a charge for the day that you're mm-hmm. sending people off with to a little yeah. something to think about. Yeah. You know, our lives are just so busy, Pam. And, um, yeah, I mean, everyone just seems pressed so much of the time. You know? and I always think it's so ironic because you'd think with all the, everything we have today from all our digital devices and everything, it'd be easier, but it's just, it just seems like it's just gotten worse. You know, it's like push on, push on. Um, so, you know, so I wanted something that wasn't like a tome of a book, you know, like you got two pages to read every day that are like, filled with so I just tried to keep every all those reflections to about 350 words but to really make them compact and pointed you know focused so and, and then that little line at the end today you know this is what I'll do so actually during the day a person could maybe think about that again or you know I've had people with my other two Lenten books say they actually would copy out that little line for the day, you know, and take it with them, like whether it's just the office or if they were doing daycare, wherever it was. And, and they just pull it out and look at it once in a while during the day. And I just felt so good about that. Mm -hmm. I thought, Oh, that's, that's so much what I want is just something that a person can hang on to for the day because so much is going to try to pull us away from, from our spiritual practice. And and so much does already. Mm -hmm. Um, So I love, I love that. And, and, what I'm hearing you say, Joyce, the offering is to do this in the morning. Yeah, I think so. Although, you know, I always have to remember, and you'll know this from being a spiritual director, so I always want people to be a morning person, but there, I am, and I'm, I'm an introvert, but you know, a number of the people that come to me for spiritual guidance, they're extroverted and they're night people. Yes. You know, so, you know, I, and I've read this and I, I think it is true that what we put into our minds at night before we go to sleep, that's going to stay with us for the coming day. So people, some that are night people, they're, they're going to want to do this at night, maybe before they go to bed at night. Um, so it could, it could be different, you know, yeah. and maybe even if somebody read it at night, Joyce, that mm-hmm. you could take that little today yeah. quote. And then when you, when you rise in the morning, have mm-hmm. that be your, your prayer for the day. Yeah. Um, that's, that's, that's a really good thought. Yeah. To just something that, that keeps the person connected, you know, yeah. So the time of day wouldn't make so much difference. You know, I, I live in an apartment building where a number of people work at night. 
you know, and so maybe for them coming home, maybe they do that right before in the morning before they rest, for, you know, for the day. So yeah, it, it, it would be different. So we're, whatever works for you. I always tell people uh, to put things near your coffee pot. So I would say that if you're going to read Joyce's book, which I encourage you to do, Jesus Guide of My Life, a daily devotional, quick, it's quick, um, but but impactful. And to leave it near your coffee pot so that if most of us drink coffee or tea in the morning, um, that it's there as a reminder. And if you are that evening person, you know, to obviously to have it on your night table uh, mm -hmm. as a reminder before you go to bed and let that seep into your heart, you know, while you're sleeping. That that is great, you know. And another thing, and I've had some people do this. They've when they've written it out, they've posted it on the mirror. So in the morning when they get up, there it is in their face. You know, it's like. Yeah. But but it's another way, especially if they don't drink coffee. You know, hey, there's an. It's we need reminders, don't we? However, that is for us. We do, and that's why the book is such a great reminder. Uh, to to have that daily practice. Um, when I was reading this, I was also thinking about. Uh, during COVID, I met with my spiritual director weekly and for eight months, and we worked mm -hmm. through the Ignatian exercises. Wow, that's fabulous. And, oh, wow. It was, it was transformative. It's still, wow. she said to me that it will for years. That is, that is such a Still powerful. benefits will come from mm -hmm. it. Um, oh. But this reminded me of that because, Joyce, that was the only time that I had ever had a an experience with the Bible um, or with scripture where I put myself in the story. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it was, it was, I just got goosebumps when I said that because we went through Jesus's whole life. And for me to be there, you know, at all of those moments mm -hmm. and, and your book, can you speak to that a little bit? It really reminds me sort of of that Ignatian practice of. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I'm so glad you brought that up because that is exactly where the foundation for those comes from. I was in my twenties and I was learning meditation in my community that I had joined. And um, we, every year we had an annual retreat and it was a week long retreat and we always had a Jesuit come and they were the ones that really taught me how to put myself in that story, you know, like using all of my senses, you know, mm -hmm. like, for instance, if it was the, um, the, the woman with, with the hemorrhage, you know, well, so I would be the woman and what was it like for her to be in that crowd and what did she see and what did she hear? And then what was it like for Jesus and what was it like for the crowd? And then, you know, what is it like for me to be in there? What does, what does it speak to me about what I've, I've experienced, but that whole sensual visual auditory, it, it makes, it's just completely different, isn't it? It's like, you don't stand outside as a stranger or an observer, suddenly you're part of it. And, and I think that's true with story. When we put ourselves into the story, instead of just being outside of it, it changes us so much. And and I love it that you did the Ignatian exercises because your your spiritual director is right. It, it, you'll never be the same again. No, and you know what it does too is is that I'm reading things from an intellectual space, mm -hmm. and it helped me drop down into like you were just saying that sensation of experiencing mm -hmm. the words and the story in my body, in my, in my heart. And so all three centers sort of are yeah. on and it's a different experience, I think in that way. You know, and something I learned later on, I actually didn't learn that with the Ignatian exercises exactly, but, and I can't remember where I picked this up. I think it was when 
you know, people don't realize, but journaling didn't really happen until, I don't know, in the 80s, maybe. And there was a little book that came out about how to journal uh, by a Franciscan, I think, in, in uh, Milwaukee or Michigan. It was Michigan. Anyway, I, I picked that up and I started um, actually do, writing dialogues with the people in the in the gospel stories. And that is another whole way you know, the back and forth of like, wow, you know, so I'm Zacchaeus and I'm back and forth. How would Zacchaeus, you know, and then I'm Zacchaeus with Jesus. And yeah, it's, it's a great, another great way to do it. Yeah. So it's, you're not reading about something that happened so long ago and yeah. it feels antiquated in some ways. Mm -hmm. It's really brings it into the modern day and makes it relatable yes. to mm -hmm. like, how may God be speaking to me in, mm -hmm. in this scripture? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I just think we don't do that enough. You know, I um, belonged to a, a parish here in the, in the city for a, a couple of years, and I had asked the pastor if I could ever once a month do the homily, and I would do it as a meditation, an Ignatian meditation. And I did that, you know, because I thought, just what you're saying, Pam, people feel like they're outside all of it. They're just, you know, it's there, but it's not touching them. And to really have them, you know, just take about 10 minutes with them to really absorb whatever that gospel passage was for that that particular liturgy. Um, and I, lo I loved being able to do that. I, I wish we did that in all the churches, you know. <laughs> but, I, but I sense that in the book. Yeah. You know, I, I think that you are, mm -hmm. you know, you are offering that. Um, yeah. you Thank you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I was going to say, too, you know, in reading it, that you... Uh, you speak so tenderly mm -hmm. to the common human condition. Oh, that's a beautiful, that's beautiful, Pam. Thank you. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. I, and, and my takeaway too, and, and the reason I came up with that statement was that your life is different than my life mm -hmm. and your life is different than many of the people that will listen to this podcast, but yet you drop down into this commonality, mm. you know, how we're all much more alike than unalike. We like to think we're different. We dress differently. Yeah. We act yeah. differently, yeah. you know, mm -hmm. um, but, but you, you speak to the heart in a way that, um, that I don't think many people can. And I, and I think that that's why your words resonate so deeply with so many of us. Thank you for that. You know, one of the things that I've I've really come to believe so much is that um, the the need to get to the humanness of Jesus because that's the human condition, and he did experience so many things that we do. You know, like you say, when you get we get beyond the surface. I mean, we know what it's like to feel rejected. We know what it's like to have someone. Um, not like us. We need to. We know. We know what it's like to feel sorrow and grief, and uh, to feel sometimes like we're in exile from ourselves. You know, all of those things. And and so, the deeper down we go, I think, as you say, the more commonality we have in our experience. And and I I love the gospels for that because Jesus was real. You know, I mean, he, I I think of the many times that. You know, he had to put up with people's foibles, his own group, you know, so to speak, and they didn't understand or um, they were confused. And I thought he never gave up on them. And it's such a witness to me to, you know, not give up on myself, but also not give up on other people. You know, that essence of goodness is there if, if only, you know, we continue to to be with it and 
and be intentional about finding it and, and living it. And didn't you say that you were a small child when you first uh, heard about Jesus, but but recognized the thing that you were attracted to was Jesus's goodness? Yeah, yeah, I can't remember. I think I might have written about that in Jesus, friend of my soul, because that's where I really learned to have Jesus as a friend. And I was like, I think I was in first or second grade. And I went to this little rural school. I mean, it had three rooms in it. And um, and I just remember that most of the time, you know, when you're young, anybody over 20 seems like they're ancient. But we had this really young nun that was teaching us. And I mean, I bet now I think she probably was right fresh. out. They didn't go through all the college. They just sent them out when they were like 18, you know. Anyway, but we loved her. She was so inspiring about who this Jesus was. And, and she would say, you know, Jesus is your friend and you can talk to Jesus and he's always going to be there for you. And so, you know, my job was to feed the chickens on the farm. And so I'd get home after school and I had my little bucket of corn and stuff and I'd be tossing it out and I would talk to Jesus. And, you know, I, it didn't make any difference to me if he talked back or not. I just love that thought that I had this presence and it was a presence because I don't think I ever even visualized like the practical parts of him, what he looked like. Maybe I did, but I just know that I love that relationship. And to me, that is what it's all about. It's about relationship. Yeah. So thank you for reminding me of that. <laughs> oh yeah. But you know, the most beautiful thing you said there was, and, and this, I think people could find relatable is that you talked, but it was okay that you didn't talk back in like a, in the way that, that tangible yeah. way that, mm -hmm. that you didn't hear a voice, but you felt presence or you had yeah. an understanding of it being real. Yeah. I think presence is it, you know, my, what flashes across is that, you know, sometimes if you, you know, like if I'm in an airport, I'm waiting in the gate area or I'm you know, I'm traveling someplace or I'm, I'm in a grocery store, but you just, you just are with someone and you sense presence that happened to me in the library. Um, about three months ago, I met with this young Kenyan uh, man who's uh, works at the library. And um, I had called the library. If someone could help me with Instagram, because I was really kind of learning more how to do it. And they assigned me uh, Winton. And I mean, as soon as we sat down, there was a connection that was there. It was so beautiful. And he commented about it afterwards and I commented and we've stayed connected since then. But it was that presence that was there in the beginning. Like you just, if you, we just knew. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I, I glanced down for a minute when you were talking at my papers here because uh -huh. you know, I have some questions to ask you. And I heard like, this is the way that I communicate with, or God communicates with me is I hear things mm -hmm. and I heard, you don't need those, Pam, <laughs> just, <laughs> you know, just listen, just listen to yeah. Joyce. Why do you think that is that we, we meet some people and we, we have that. I, I met somebody the other day and they, I knew they saw me, our mm -hmm. eyes connected and it wasn't a romantic thing. It was, it, yeah. it was just this, this. I think we were both just so fully present and I don't find that as much anymore because, you know, a lot of people have their necks down and their, mm -hmm. and their, their phones out. Um, yeah. Which I almost think is a crutch for a lot of people out in public anymore mm -hmm. you know, waiting mm -hmm. in line. It's like, mm -hmm. you know, your face right in your phone. And there was something about this connection. And I was like, and it, it was like soul to soul. And so 
Uh, yeah. You know, see, and that's what I think happened in the Gospels and how the the authors of the Gospels, they tried to tell us that, mm-hmm. you know, when Jesus met someone and that person, it was, I love, it was soul to soul. And they, they just knew, but I, there has to be a certain openness for it. But sometimes I, I have not, I mean, I've not been looking for it, like, like you say, and you, it's just there. And somehow, see, I, I, I've often thought there's many spheres of existence, so to speak, or of consciousness is a better word. And, and I, and somehow we meet that other person that's in that same consciousness sphere, you know, and, and this, it isn't something that can rationally be explained. And I think we're so into a rational world. If I can't explain it, it can't be real, you know, but, but it is real. And, and it's so, it's so reaffirming when it happens. Like there's, it remind. I mean, it's a whole question of divinity. Can we prove divinity? Not really. It's that faith element, but it's, it's like, I know, I just know, I know not with my head, but I know that this is real. And, and that happens with people. And when it does, it's just, it's just so good, isn't it? <laughs> it, it really, and that, now that you've been talking, I remember what it was. It was, I was just out walking with my husband. We were walking our dog and there was a man raking in his yard. And I said, Oh, I said, we just did that. We were just doing that at our house. You know, mm-hmm. there had been a storm and a lot of sticks down and he just stopped. Yeah. He stopped and he held his rake and he just yeah. looked at us and we chatted for a little bit. It wasn't like he was still mm-hmm. busy, meaning I'm half, um, I'm here. I hear you, but I'm, I've got work to do. He just stopped what he was doing. I think that's what it was. And so maybe the invitation here is to <laughs> stop what you're doing. And, you know, I think that's, I think you're onto something because that is what it is, isn't it? And today, like you say, people looking at their phones all the time. But, you know, when when a person really stops, you know, just has that space that's there. And, you know, now I'm, I'm going to go back to the Gospels and look again, because I think that's what happened there, too, mm-hmm. is that, you know, people just stopped. And then there was that beautiful connection that was there between uh, Jesus and the person. Yeah, you yeah. know, when you talk about the woman at the well, um, it, and there was a stop there. Mm-hmm. He stopped, and everyone else was sort of stuck with their judgments, but he stopped. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you know that when the, when the, he was with the children, and the disciples said, send them away, but no, he sat there, you know, he sat down, and there he was with them. And, you know, and Zacchaeus in the tree, you know, he stopped, he looked up, Zacchaeus was looking at him and there was that, you know, so they, they had stopped. So yeah, there's probably a lot, a lot of instances. Stop and pray. You and I are onto something. Stop and being present, the presence, presence. Yeah. You know, we yeah. at mm-hmm. the seminary teach presence practices, really, which are spiritual practices, but they're about being present. Mm-hmm. And, and so there's, there's so much to that. And I think, you know, what we're, what we're alluding to is that that's, that's needed more now than it, in, in all of history, mm-hmm. it's needed more now than it ever has been. Yeah. And, and, you know, just going back to our earlier conversation, when we were talking about, you know, every day have starting out with some inspiration or whenever we start out with that, but we have to stop, don't we? We have to be present to, to the word present to um, whatever that source of inspiration is for us in order for it again, for us to connect with it. Yeah. Yeah. And Lent is such a great time to do that because the offering is there to 
um, to do something for, you know, for a, a certain amount of time, there's an end to it. You don't have mm -hmm. to do it forever. Um, but, you know, what do they say about, about new habits are formed? Um, you know, so I invite people to try it and, and, and see if a new habit is formed and what shifts in you. And if you can mm -hmm. drop down into that space to see, oh, wow, so do I miss it when, when Lent is over? Mm -hmm. Am I missing listening to Joyce's kind, soft words um, that speak to the human condition? Am I missing those? Yeah. Um, and if so, then 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 maybe with this book, you've opened the door to to more, to mm -hmm. wanting more. Yeah, yeah, I like that. I like that, and I, I like your phrase dropping down into it because that is really true, isn't it? It's getting yeah. beyond the surface and yeah. staying with it. Mm -hmm. That's good. Yeah. Um, can you talk a little bit about the the way um, you wrote oh. that in the in introduction? It says, uh, I am the way. Um, and then I think Marilyn McIntyre uh, says, remember the way is a person. Yeah, yeah. You know, that I can't say it was entirely new to me, but kind of like what you said, you know, I dropped down into that when I read that phrase. And I had read... Um, John Dominic Croson and Marcus Borg's book, The Last Week, which is about the last week, Jesus' last week of life uh, um, and the passion during Holy Week. And um, and they talk about the way in there. And, and it just, what it did is it just opened up for me. And I thought, yes, um, when Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, the life, you know, as, as John's gospel quotes him, um, I, I just thought, this has been the path for me all my life, and I've just kind of taken it for granted, the, the being a Christian, the path that's there, the path that's been lined with the teachings and um, the stories and the, you know, the, the call to the qualities of goodness that all of us are called to. Um, but, but to think of Jesus himself as the way was, was kind of a new thing for me. And I thought, yeah, it's like... Um, it's like, you know, when you're um, on some kind of pilgrimage and you've got someone leading it. I remember when I was in the island of Iona, I was there for a week and um, we had someone, you know, who was leading us. And so even around the island, we would follow like, you know, chicks and the mama duck, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> um, but but in a way, it is like that. I mean, Jesus is the way. So if I'm my heart is on the way. Uh, then that connection happens. Uh, so, so, yeah. I love what you said too, is that not only are you, you know, one of the great spiritual leaders, I believe, and writers of our time, but you also are a seeker. You're also on your own spiritual path, evolving continually. And, you know, on, on a retreat or a pilgrimage um, where someone else is leading it and, um, I think that that is 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 such a great reminder to anyone who is listening who is a leader is that I'm always a learner and a leader and and also everything else in between. but you know, that is just so true. And I think, you know, when I really began, when I started realizing it was when I started leading retreats, and that was it was in my early thirties then. And as I heard other people when they were vulnerable and they talked about their incompleteness and their unfinishedness and their desires and all of that. And I realized, you know, that's happening inside of me. And, and I need to be more vulnerable in speaking about it too, you know, cause I don't want to be, 
not just set apart, but I want people to know that this is, it's there for all of us. We're always, we're always going, there's always going to be more for us to discover and learn and deepen and strengthen. And, and I love that. I love that concept. Now it, it used to kind of frighten me. I think, oh, how much more is there, you know? <laughs> I I thought maybe by the time I was 35, I'd have it all together. Well, no. <laughs> and and so I I think it when we um, and I don't mean like my publisher said one time, you know, he doesn't want anybody bleeding all over the pages, you know, in other words, you know, dumping everything that a person is struggling with out, out there. But rather I think just acknowledging like you know, I, I too still have growing to do, as you said, and I do. And I'm, and I find that, I find that exciting, really. It's like, what more am I going to discover? And, you know, like compassion is a good example. I mean, when in the mid nineties to today, I have grown so much in understanding what compassion is and how I want to be compassionate. And, and there's, I know there's still so much more, but I, a lot of the gaps were filling in for me during those years. So it's, it's, it is, it's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I see the thread of, of, you know, I want to use the word vulnerability, but maybe honesty of feelings that you have about certain things. And, um, you know, you write about that in, in the book about, you know, maybe judging someone or quick to judge mm-hmm. and, and, and then going back again to yeah. Jesus, this mm-hmm. example mm-hmm. of, yeah. of, of how he reacted to different situations. And yeah, yeah. I think, I think it's in this book that I wrote about, you know, I was at the, on Ash Wednesday, you know, and it's like, it always amazes me, like people that won't go to church any other time, they come for ashes. And I remember just being squeezed in that pew and like, oh, wow, all of these people are here. And then like nobody around me was like, you know, responding to the prayers or singing. And I, my, and my judgment was, well, why do they come? I had more space in my pew, you know, it's like, <laughs> and then, I mean, but I caught myself then, or I could say grace caught me at that time. And I realized, who am I to say? I mean, it's wonderful these people came. And I remember particularly, I was so touched by this. A man came probably in his 50s and he had and he had coveralls on and an old jacket. And I thought he just came from work, you know, and he's he's wanting to be here for whatever reason. And that was that kind of turned me around, you know. I thought, oh yeah, yeah, there's there's a lot more going on here than I'm think I'm, I know. Yeah. So. yeah. Well, you, and you got away from your own comfort. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and saw the story behind the person mm-hmm. and, and doesn't matter what drew them there, but they, they showed up, but we all have those same exact feelings about mm-hmm. things like that in our everyday life. You know, I was on the phone with my brother yesterday and he's the nicest guy you'd ever want to meet. You know, he's a farmer and I mean, he just, He's got this huge heart and he talks to everyone and he'll talk to you until the cows come home. But um, some, he was in his car yesterday and somebody cut him off and he's, geez, Louise. (laughs) (laughs) And I thought, you know, as nice as he is, we all get agitated and, and. um, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's, that is so true. And what you said just a bit ago is that, you know, again, if we can get beyond the surface, we know there. At one time I have a psychologist friend and she said to me, there's a reason for every behavior. And that really helped me because I thought, yeah, if you can get to the what's behind the behavior, what's behind 
whatever it is that's um, we're judging, yeah. there's there's a reason for it. Um, and I always tell my kids when they were when they were younger that it's not about them. When mm. somebody lashes out or is yeah. angry or mm-hmm. mean, then I, mm-hmm. I, I say, oh, that's it, not it's it's not really about you, even though it's stung. <laughs> it's about yeah. you. The feeling, mm-hmm. your reaction to it is about you, but. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, there's always so much more, so many other layers. Again, that's why a daily devotional would be, would be an excellent tool. Bring, for your, brings us back, calls us back. Calls um, us back. It calls us back to, to what's really important and what's mm-hmm. valuable. And um, I know that in my own personal life that uh, a daily practice, you know, as a young mom, getting up before my kids, people always say, oh, I don't have time for this mm-hmm. or for that. And um, you've made it very easy because the book is so simplistic, simplistic, um, but it saved me in a lot of ways that having that rhythm and that routine um, mm-hmm. and, and really setting the intention for my day. Um, remember I sent you that, uh, the jar of. Yes. Oh, yes. The stress of joy, the little yes. yes. Unslips of paper. It's with that mom. same yes. idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of, it's just a little something like a little bread for the journey, a little mm-hmm. a little crumb, a little um, mm-hmm. something. And I think what happens is it shifts your perspective. And mm-hmm. once our perspective is shifted, that that's where transformation sort of can come in, mm-hmm. where God can come in yeah. and and help mold and shape our 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 attitudes and our and deepen our our prayer life and. You know, I that shift in perspective is just a really big thing. And I I can't tell you how many times that's happened for me. I mean, I go back, I journal every morning, I write little something, and it it might just be a few lines or even a word sometimes that I've read. And it just it settles me down or it gives me courage for the day or whatever it might be, but it, it doesn't take much. And the other thing you said that I I really, really value here is having a rhythm, having a pattern, you know, so to, to really get into that. So every day I know that I'm going to really try to do that. And again, I think being kind to ourselves, because especially if you're a young mom, can't always say every single day, I'm going to do it, but I intend to do it. I hope to do it. Um, but there's that rhythm, that pattern. It's just like getting up in the morning. My part of mine is having that cup of coffee in the morning. <laughs> I really want that cup of coffee. Um, and so, uh, you know, the same thing for, you know, to want that. Because that time. cup of coffee does what for you? Well, it wakes me up. <laughs> and, yeah. and and so wise words yeah. from great thinkers like mm-hmm. Joyce Rupp can wake us up mm-hmm. to, to being attentive to our life. Yeah. Yeah. Wake us up, especially in this distracted world we live in. Yeah. yeah. And the other thing that, that these words uh, do for me is um, they, uh, they give me new eyes for seeing things um, that are yeah. already there. Yeah. But I have this sort of new visual for it. Um, and, and then I think that that's what shifts your perspective. Wow. Yeah, I really I like that new eyes for seeing things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so thank you, because you you give, you know, your readers and, and listeners new eyes for seeing things in a very, uh, you know, humanistic 
way that's very relatable to anyone of, of really Joyce of any faith background. You know, I know we're talking about Lent, which is Christian, but I think that uh, anyone listening can read along, do this exercise at any time of the year, you know, and, and you have three of these books and, and many other books. What is your process for doing this, for, for like writing a book like this? You've written, I, I can't even keep track. You've written so many books now. Um, what is your process for that? Like, is this coming out of your daily devotion or? Yeah, I, I always say that my my books come out of the a context of prayer. I don't see my writing as prayer itself necessarily. But, um, you know, when I start writing a book, I start years ahead of time. And um, I just start putting some notes in a folder, you know, and I, I, it's like, I have an inner antennae all of a sudden, like, you know, so the writing the, the, the this trilogy on Lent, it was that way, you know, and so I, during the Lent, when I was praying myself, I'd just be attentive to, you know, and, and it just, those things just came gradually, you know, what I, as I was praying, I thought, oh yeah, relationship, that friend of my soul, and then compassion being the central quality of Jesus. From that book, I thought, okay, I'll write a book on Jesus' companion of my suffering. And then that last one you mentioned, the way, and I thought, so what guides my life? Well, it's all of these teachings. And so, but, so then once I decide to write the book, then I, I always have my meditation in the morning first and I'll do some, you know, what I call spiritual reading, some inspirational reading, do some journaling. And then I sit with what it is I want to write. And I, and that's when I do some of my, my writing, I'll take, I'll just start, just see what comes from that. Um, and, you know, many times I, and in fact, I would, I would just say really often is that I'm real conscious when I'm writing what I'm writing, but then when I go back, you know, and I look at the manuscript and I put it together and I think, that's amazing. I don't remember <laughs> where did all of this stuff come from, you know, and I, I'm just so I'm so humbled and, and awed by it. So I always say that my books are bigger than myself. Mm -hmm. and I, I just believe that. I believe that if I can clear away some of the clutter in my thinking, my feeling, and let something surface, you know, that let it come forth, that it will, you know. So, and I would say that's true with every book that I've written, really, is that's kind well, of- I bet you, Joyce, that that no one has ever said Joyce Rupp and Taylor Swift in the same session, in the same sentence. Not really? I don't think so. <laughs> but the we that we, and, and stay with me for a minute. I watched with my kids over the holidays, her, there's a documentary on Netflix. Oh, I did. Okay. Yeah. About her uh, creative process. Mm. And I, as a spiritual director, was keying into her process i was so fascinated by it because they you, they, you know that was it was very raw footage and you were in her mm -hmm. studio or whatever and mm -hmm. she was saying she gets downloads and she keeps journals everywhere oh my and god she listens to that and i thought oh she's connecting with source with god with whoever yeah. she calls yeah. that mm -hmm. and what i'm hearing is that you're really what you're inviting us to do in this book right, is to drop down. We were talking about that. But what I'm also yeah. hearing is that, you know, she drops down in her music writing, but mm -hmm. you're also dropping down and trusting mm -hmm. and creating space for that creativity to flow in and through you. And that's why sometimes, you know, someone will say to me, Pam, where did that come from? If I'm in a session mm -hmm. with someone and I'll say, well, I don't know, yeah. <laughs> but I do know. And I think, you know, too, where it comes mm -hmm. from. Yeah. 
And, you know, I, you've probably experienced this as a spiritual director is that one of your directees will say to you sometime, you know, when you said this and this, and, and you don't remember saying it, or maybe you didn't even say it exactly that way, but it came across and this is what they remember and what they needed to hear. And, and so, you know, on that moment that your ministry at that moment is bigger than you are too, you know, and that um, it comes through me. Yes. It comes through. Um, mm -hmm. And, and, you know, and I, I forget where I read this too, um, but maybe it was Mark Nepo who said that his grandmother used to tell him that an idea comes to here to your head, uh -huh. and it comes to here to your hands, uh -huh. and you're to bring it out into the world. There may have been more steps to it, but okay. that's also what I'm hearing. But it's interesting how you can take like what you're doing and what other people are doing, what I'm mm -hmm. doing in spiritual direction, and is that if you mm -hmm. trust that flow that same presence that you trusted as a child when you were yeah. giving corn to the, mm -hmm. to the <laughs> chickens yeah. mm -hmm. or to the sheep or um, yeah. it's, it's yeah. that same presence lives in all of us. Yeah. And, and the invitation is to sort of, to let that flow. Yeah. You know, I think that's why my favorite church feast is Pentecost. Mm -hmm. I, I just really like it because I think of this, spirit however we i mean i just this invisible presence we talked mm -hmm. about this earlier but that movement within us you know that and and again i i find it humbling but also wonderful to think wow you know if i just get out of the way you know i can be that instrument that you talked about you know if i don't try to control everything and if i trust a lot you know and and I'm, I try to be as present as I can be to what is at the moment that that's something, yeah, that this source of, of light and love can really move through and make a difference. And you know what, Joyce, just to, to wrap us up and to go back to the book and, and some of the mm -hmm. offerings and, and you being so candid about your own life is that, you know, when you were in church on Ash Wednesday and someone came in with the overalls on and looked like they came from work, but everybody's packed mm -hmm. in. And if we can get out of the way, mm -hmm. you know, it shifted your perspective and seeing it in a new mm -hmm. light. Yeah. And it helped you to soften. And, and I think that that's the invitation here is mm -hmm. to, if we can get out of the way and soften and shift and, and doing this daily practice, I really mm -hmm. would encourage people to, uh, to try it out and to, uh, to see what happens. Yeah. And th thank you. Just thank you for you and for, for what you are doing, because mm -hmm. you're, you're making a big difference, Pam. There's no oh, doubt. It. Thanks, so much. That makes me want to cry. Being, being a parent to what you're doing with the seminary, to your own spiritual guidance. It's, it's a lot. Wow. Oh, thank you. Thank you. It's, it's like I said to you, it chose me. I didn't choose it. And, uh, um, it's, it's uh, kind of the best sometimes, you know, <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, it's been a great pleasure of my life to 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 be able to do this work in the capacity mm -hmm. that I've been doing it, and I'm sure you could say the same about the work that you do. One of my favorite things that you said the last time we met is I asked you what it was like, you know, to be so um, revered, and and you said, you know, my brother's a dairy farmer and he feeds people, and I feed people with my words. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so, and yeah. it was, it was such a humble response. It was just like, oh, well, I, this is the way that I'm feeding people. And um, so thank you for feeding people. You're welcome. Your words. Yeah. 
I wish you blessings as you continue to write. I think you're off, aren't you off to a cabin somewhere? I am. In fact, this coming Monday, I can't wait. I always take two weeks, the end of January, and I go off in the woods, this cabin, and I, I just love it. You know, no Wi-Fi access. Yay, yay, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's a beautiful walk around the lake and through the woods. And I just, I, as you, we talked earlier, I just developed this rhythm of solitude that is so good. And, you know, when I first, first time I did this, I was scared to death. I thought, Oh, what if I get bored? What if like, what if I get snowed and I can't ever get out? What if this, you know, and, and I had a friend who said to me, well, just do it, you know, and that was all it took. And I thought, yeah, just do it. And I have loved it, you know, but it's getting through the fear or the, yeah. No, I love those friends that kind of push you back a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, that's wonderful, and yeah. so I wish you blessings on that journey, and yeah. and uh, and hopefully we'll see each other again sometime I soon. Hope so too. Okay. And blessings for you as yeah, well. Blessings Thanks for having me. I'm Pam Rotelli Robertson, and you have been listening to Talking Joy talks that help you realize your value while creating authentic connections with others. For more information about our talk today or to get in touch, you can find us at TalkingJoy.org. And to keep the encouragement going, you can also follow Talking Joy on Instagram and Facebook. Simple, joyful, fun. Thanks for listening. This is Talking Joy.